Your Locked On Maple Leafs. Your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On This Podcast. What's up, shop for all things Leafs? I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, uh, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive, also the host of Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. You can follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast, leave a rating and review as well. That would be much, much appreciated. And thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. Keep uh, keep in mind that we are a daily Maple Leafs podcast, so follow along and get new updates um, to the podcasting, uh, to your podcast rotation each and every morning. Um, Toronto Maple Leafs finally bursting, busting this, the, the the losing skid uh, four in a row, no longer. Uh, they go out, they beat the Chicago Blackhawks by a score of 3-2 to two in overtime. And I'll be honest, like, that doesn't, f- I, like, I don't feel great about the win. Like, thank God they won because, well, today would be com- a complete, complete and utter gong show if they were to lose that game. Like, eh. I don't even know if if they were to go in and lose to to the Chicago Blackhawks, which, let's be honest, early on, it kind of felt like it was leaning towards that way. They're down 2-0 after 1. But, um, you know, they they pulled it together. And I think that's that's what uh, I I liked to see. I saw some good things. They controlled the play. The stars looked more polished. You know, Marner showed signs of life, um, as did the power play. But like to barely just squeak past the league's worst team to start off slow, let them score the first couple of goals. You know there are a lot of good things that came from from this game, but there's there's still some some holes here, right? It was a step in the right direction, but still, you know, some holes. Uh, so let, let's start off though by talking about the things that I liked, and and we'll start with like we'll go through my three stars of the game, like we do coming off of every Maple Leafs win, and. The third star, I'm actually going to give it to whoever it was that got this team fired up between the first and second period. Um, I'm not sure how many of you guys listen to post-game scrums. Probably not many. I mean, I I really do it because it's my job, uh, to be quite honest with you. But I, I don't know if you guys have maybe seen it on Twitter or on, on whatever. Um, but in between the first and second period, there was a, somebody within the Maple Leafs locker room got fired up and got angry and and just said like boys let's let's dig out of this man we got to dig out of this we are in a rut right now and no one's going to bring us out of it except ourselves and you know uh Nylander talked about a post game um Jack Campbell talked about it and Campbell said it's not necessarily what was said it was how it was said it was the passion in which the player was exuding um you know his his feelings towards the game um and even Sheldon Keefe said like he was you know, the coaches don't typically go into the locker room right away. They go, they watch video, and then they come in and address the team. And he said that as he was walking to address the team, he heard whoever it was laying into them to say, like, let's get going, boys. Like, this is this is ridiculous. We are coming out slow, flat-footed every single game, night after night. We keep saying we're learning lessons, but then we put forward the same horse crap effort, and they came out better after that. You know, there was a... a, a different tone to the way that this team was playing in the second and third period and in the overtime period and there was in the first period right so whoever it was that got this team fired up thank you because realistically that could have cost some jobs like I'm not even being hyperbolic 
the way that this team was going, the mood in the room, it, it may have costed some jobs. Like, you go in, you get jobbed by Pittsburgh, you lose to a good Carolina team, and then you go and you lose to the Chicago Blackhawks after everything that's happening off the ice with them. On the ice, they're also abysmal. Uh, I think they're like, oh, Five and one or oh six and one last night. Never even held a lead up until yesterday when uh, when they allowed the first goal, and they were down two nothing to that team. Like if they would have lost, that man, that would ha- today would be different, much much different. Um, so whoever the heck got that team, sparked that team, got them fired up, got them playing with with more confidence, got them playing with emotion. We saw emotion. Like Austin Matthews yelling at Justin Hall on the bench, just that pure fire. Like, hey, get going, man. You are you are not playing well. You're doing some silly things out there. Let's get going. You're a big part of this team. You're a big part of what we do, how we successfully win games, how we successfully won games last year. Let's get back to that. And whoever it was. I love the fire. I love the passion. Loved it. Even Matthews post game, you know, they they score the OT winner, and uh, there was the Chicago Blackhawks fan flipping him the bird, and he's just like staring at him. He's like, "Woo!" Just sheepishly, just "Woo!" Right in his face. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. So, you know, for for a team that that had been dogged about their effort, um, their their lack of caring <coughs> over the last little bit. Sorry about that. Uh, over the last little bit, it was good to see him finally show some emotion in last night's game. And and, and the, whoever it was that fired him up between periods could very well have been Matthews, could have been Muzzin, could have been Jason Spezza. I know is very uh, a local, uh, a vocal leader. I know in the All or Nothing series, we saw him in between you know overtime periods or in between periods during that Montreal series, try and get the boys going. He's been around the block. He's somebody who's very vocal. Could have been him. But whoever it was, saved saved this city from rioting last night. So uh, they get the third star. Second star of the game, I'm going to give it to the top, the, you know, the, the core four, the big four. I know that, you know, the team doesn't like to refer to them as that, but we, the media, and we, the fan base, do refer to it as the, the, the big four. That's Tavares, that's Marner, that's Matthews, that's Nylander, all four for the first time this season, all hitting the score sheet. Um, you know, they got going. Tavares scored the first goal of the game. Mitch got the assist on it. Marner, a game-high seven shots last night. He was way better. Like, he had a, he had a way better game. Still, like, not exactly 100% where you know Mitch Marner is the the first line uh first team first team all-star winger like he was a season ago but you know you see shades of it they're going in the right direction Marner a game high seven shots on 11 attempts the 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 uh Nylander gets the game winner with with Austin Matthews getting the assist there the power play had life like it was you know they just seemed to finally start to pick it up that you just you, you the offense didn't quite explode last night but you see them taking steps in the right direction where now it seems like it's going to happen. Like, you know, over the 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 game against, uh, you know, the last three games, the one against uh, the Sharks and then the one against Pittsburgh and then even the one against Carolina, you, you didn't really see this offense mustering up much. Um, but you saw glimpses of it last night and, and the second half especially, uh, you know, that big four kind of got going and asserted themselves as the best players on the ice, which is something that the Leafs desperately need to see out of these guys. Just and Mitch Marner specifically, just to kind of 
uh, to to single him out because there's been so much scrutiny about this guy over the last little bit. I myself have been scrutinizing him uh, and, and the way that he's played, and, and he's deserved it. He has not played well. Looked way better last night. Looked so much more confident um, just carrying the puck with poise. You know, he was he was smart with where he passed it to, wasn't just giving it away, wasn't fumbling pucks. You know, even the one that he gave to, to, uh, to, to John Tavares on the goal, it was just a nice, clean, crisp pass that Tavares didn't have to fumble. He was able to get it on his forehand, put it on his backhand, and roof it, and all of a sudden, it's a 2-1 game, and Toronto really took advantage from there. You know, he didn't panic. He showed patience. He waited for, for plays to kind of get set up. You know, he waited for shooting lanes to open. He didn't just shoot and fire it into traffic like we had seen. It was really good to see Mitch Marner um, show signs of the the strong all-star level of play that we all know he's capable of doing. Uh, so the big four, those get my they get my second stars last night for them uh, finally together having themselves a decent outing. But number one has got to be Jack Campbell. I mean, this guy stood on his head and made five or six like quality, quality saves to keep this team into it. Like, yeah, the 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 goal on Doc you probably want back to bring it. You're not going to say anything about that breakaway. That's just a tough goal. But he made some big stops at that point. Like when they were down two nothing, you know, he made he made a couple key saves. Even later into the game when it was two one, you know, he had to make a couple key saves. And then in overtime, he had to make a couple key saves, like five, six, maybe even as much as seven or eight, you know, big stops uh, to keep this team to keep the two points available. Like this team doesn't walk out of there with maybe maybe any points if Jack Campbell wasn't on his game. But specifically, I mean, overtime. You know, there was that one play where he poke-checked the guy coming in, and then there was the other play where it was, oh, who was it that broke? Oh, man, Hagel, Brendan Hagel, um, you know, get, gets gets uh, gets an edge on William Nylander on three-on-three, three, takes it hard to the net, goes to cross him over, and then confidently Jack Campbell goes and cuts him off and kind of just lays across his body and takes away ice and takes away the shooting threat and then ends up sprawling and, 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 you know, getting the whistle and saving it. And then a couple of moments later, um, you know, the Maple Leafs go on to, to win that game. So Jack Campbell kept them in this game when they were trailing, allowed them to fight back and claw back. And then once it got to overtime, made a couple of big stops to even keep the game going. And then at the end of the day, um, he ended up allowing one less goal than the guy on the other side. And that's really what you can ask for out of Jack Campbell. And, you know, post-game, you we had... Um, I was listening to the post gamer with Sheldon Keefe, and and you know they kept asking, you know, Campbell, well, what'd you think of his night tonight, big night? And Campbell like said, he's like, yeah, I mean, when when we're out there, if 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 because of how much they believe in the offense and this team, if 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 they can go out there and limit the the uh, uh, opposing team to less than three goals, three goals or less, he feels like they can win every single game. And if Jack Campbell can go out and do that, um, which he's really been able to do, I mean. I've heard some people say, you know, ah, Jack has been a little rocky to start. Realistically, Jack Campbell has played, you know, I didn't blame him for, uh, you know, that first goal in Carolina. So he allowed three goals in Carolina, right? The first one, Sebastian Ajo, it was a tip. Not going to do much on that. The the Lorenz goal, which turned out to be the game winner, yeah, it was a soft goal. You want that back. 
But like that's also just a, a total breakdown of you know the team in front of him that that you allowed Lorenz to come in like that and get a shot off. Uh, yes, totally a soft goal. You want that back, but he's played well. Like the the game against Pittsburgh, yeah, he gave up five, but like three or four of those went off bodies. I mean, it, what are you gonna do when you got? It's just bad puck luck. Um, Jack Campbell's done a good job of making the stops that he needs to. He's also done a good job. Considering that this team gives up more chances than anybody else in the NHL. More scoring chances than anyone else in the NHL. And he's out there making key stop after key stop after key stop. And has this team, uh, you know, in the middle of the pack at this point in the NHL. When nothing was going right, at least Campbell was doing some good things. And last night, again, I felt that he was the best player on the ice for Toronto. And he was the 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 sole reason why they walked out of there with the, with the full two points. So he gets my first star. Uh, All right. Let's take uh, a quick break. We'll get to some things that I did not like about last night's game, though, because like I said, step in the right direction, but still some things that need to be fixed. There's still some glaring weaknesses, some holes um, from last night that I do want to address, some things that are becoming growing concerns with this club, with this roster, and I'll get to those when I return here on the Locked on Leafs podcast. We're back and better than ever. All eyes on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season. And they're getting back onto the ice for some hockey. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything Football, you can head to the website or use your promo device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial investment just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, hockey, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Leafs podcast. Mike DiStefano, the host of this program. And just a reminder, we're a daily Maple Leafs podcast. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcast from and get that new, fresh, brand new pod directly to your phone each and every day. And make us your first listen of the day. Uh, So I already went through and I I gave my three stars, talked about what I liked about last night's game. There was lots of things that were good. Uh, It was a step in the right direction for the club but still left a lot to be desired. So here are some of the things that I didn't like about yesterday's game. Because, yeah, they got the win. They got the two points. But it was against the Chicago Blackhawks, the worst team in the NHL right now. Not just off the ice, but literally on the ice as well. The Chicago Blackhawks didn't even, they hadn't held a lead for one second this season. Not one second. They have trailed or been tied in Every single waking minute that they've played hockey this year until last night. Because the Maple Leafs' slow starts persisted again. Again, they persisted. After coming out and saying, yeah, you know, lessons, we got to learn lessons. You know, we come out, we start slow. You know, we got to do, we got to start better, blah, blah, blah. They keep saying that. And then again, they come out and lay an egg. 
you know, next thing you know, uh, you know, you, you take a penalty midway through the period, and then Kirby Dock scores. It's one nothing. A couple minutes later, you know, a bad shift, uh, shift change, a turnover in the neutral zone. DeBrinket ends up all alone in behind the in behind the 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 defenseman. Seth Jones sees it. Tosses the puck up ice, and away goes to break it on a breakaway. Makes a nice move, puts it top shelf, and beats uh, beats Jack Campbell. Not much you can do about that one. And it's quickly 2-0 Chicago, and it was not looking good. It was not looking good. I'll tell you that. Um, and again, to go back to what was awesome was the fact that there was some emotion and some you know, someone got fired up and inspired this team to really come out in the second period. So thank goodness, because after, you know, the first, it, things didn't look too good. Um, so the start to me, again, got to work on it. Really got to work on it. They got to come out. They got to score first, and they got to build on it. They can't just score and then sit back kind of the way that they did in Carolina. They got to score and then score again and score again. This team hasn't hit an over yet. You talk about betting, betonline.ag. If you've been betting the overs for the Leafs, you've been losing. You've been losing every single game pretty much. It's it's incredible. The only one that I think went over was uh, is the one that they've lost, right? The ones that they're losing because they're giving up so many goals. Like the San Jose Sharks game technically went over, as did the Pittsburgh Penguins. But they haven't been able to win a game with the over is what I meant to say. They haven't won convincingly. Right and last night again, they didn't win convincingly. They needed overtime to beat a a terrible Blackhawks squad who's playing very very poorly. Doesn't have a win on the year. Didn't lead at all on the year, and they trailed them two nothing early on. It's a terrible terrible start. That's got to get cleaned up for sure going into uh, well going into the rest of the season. But certainly hopefully Saturday in Detroit. And Detroit's a spunky club, man. They're a spunky club. You, you, you got to go out and you got to play well against them. You got to start well and don't give them a reason to stick around in games because they've you know they've come out, they've started hot and they've came out and they've uh, they've been. They've been able to build leads. They've been able to come back. I think what was it uh, the other night? They were down, I think three one or something like that, and they came back, tied the game, won in overtime. They were down two nothing actually to Washington, and they came back, tied the game, then won in overtime. Um, we've seen them get out to leads against Tampa Bay, and then you know eventually lost. But you know this team is they're playing well, so a good start going forward. That's what this team needs to start doing, man. Wake up, puck drop is at seven, not eight o'clock. All right, seven, not eight. Keep that in mind, the, the Maple Leafs players. Uh, the other thing that I didn't like, uh, the Muzzin and Hall pairing. I don't know about you guys, but I've, you know, all season long, I have not liked them one bit. They haven't had one good game, not one. Not a single good game this, se- this season. I've come out every single game saying, oh, Muzzin and Hall, like, you know, they... They turned the puck over here. It led to this goal. Oh, they lost. They lost their man here. Oh, another turnover. Oh, a missed opportunity there. I am consistently coming up with terrible things to say about Muzzin and Hall, and I'm going to continue to do that in this segment right here. There's a couple of crazy stats about uh, about Muzzin and Hall so far this season. Combined, they're a minus 15 on the year now. Plus minus. Not a great stat. I understand that, but the fact that this team, like that, it's they're only like seven, eight games, eight games into the season, and they're a combined minus fifteen already, minus eight for Muzzin, minus seven for Hall. That ain't good. 
That ain't good. Supposed to be a shutdown pairing. They've been on the ice for a goal in every single game this season. Often, those goals coming off of turnovers that they've given up themselves. You take a look at the goaltending save percentage when these two are on the ice. When Jake Muzzin is on the ice, the save percentage so far this season for Toronto Maple Leafs goaltenders, 853 save percentage. Slightly better with Justin Hall with an 863. But that's that's brutal. That is brutal. That You are putting your goaltender in, in terrible positions. They're giving up two-on-ones constantly. They're turning pucks over, and it's really hindering this team. It really, really is. Let's take a look at both goals last night, because guess who was on the ice for both of those goals in the first period last night? Yeah, you guessed it. Jake Muzzin and Justin Hall. Take a look at the one nothing goal. Kirby Doc on the power play. Muzzin whiffs on a stick check, tries to poke check Doc. He undresses him with a nice little deke. Muzzin unable to, uh, you know, unable to recover off of that. Kind of takes a stumble, loses his footing, and then Doc, you know, just rips it past Campbell. A couple minutes later, Justin Hall sends a muffin through the neutral zone. Um, I, I mean, I, I think he was sending a pass up to Kasha, and then Kasha wasn't really able to handle it. Um, so it's kind of a, just a bad pass in a way. Uh, but regardless, t- neutral zone turnover. Brody was making a change as Muzzin was sending that sending that pass up. So Hall didn't have any support from his partner. Jake Muzzin was just coming off the bench when that turnover occurred. And Seth Jones spots to bring it. He ends up all along, all alone on a breakaway. It's two nothing. Um, it's just <sighs> consistently game after game. I'm seeing error upon error upon error. But they also just look slow, like slow. Like I was watching the game yesterday, actually, with my parents. And my mom's not a big hockey fan; she's more of a basketball person. But like we were watching the game together, and there was a play where. Like, legitimately from the Chicago blue line, Debrinket chips it in past Hall and races, and and it was just a chip and chase, and he blew right past him. It's as if Hall didn't even attempt to go to the puck. And my mom looks at it, she's like, wow, that guy's slow. Like, he didn't even make an effort to go to that puck. Like, what, what is, what's going on with him? And I'm like, exactly, exactly. What is going on with them? What is going on with them that even my mother, who barely watches hockey, says, well, that doesn't look like very good effort. And, and, and like, that's, honestly, it seems like the the the, the opposition has the book on, on Muzzin and Hall. The way that they've been playing so far, chip and chase, man. Chip it in, chase it. They're not getting to the puck first. So you can easily get into the offensive zone. And then from there, you've established the zone time. And then you just, they're, they're just getting outworked. Getting outworked in the defensive end. I'm worried about it, man. I am worried about it. This is supposed to be the team's shutdown pair, and they've been anything but that so far this season. Anything but that. Is Keith worried, though? Is Sheldon Keith worried, do you think? I think he is. It truly seems like it. And I'll tell you why. You look at last night's game, only two of a, of the 11 shifts that Keefe sent Hall and, and, and uh, 11 face-offs that they sent, that they sent out Hall and uh, I want to say Dermot, but Hall and Muzzin out there for only two of the 11 were in the defensive zone, 18% defensive zone starts. This is supposed to be a shutdown pair. They typically have anywhere from like around 60% defensive zone starts last year. 
that that was purely where they were where where they would start they would you know the 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 uh the puck gets frozen like Jack Campbell frees the puck Muzz, Hall get out there over the boards they come that's a defensive zone zone start right there that's not happening anymore that's not happening that did not happen yesterday only 2 of 11 of their zone starts were in the defensive end Riley and Brody Seven and eight defensive zone starts, respectively. Dermot and Sandine also given a bulk of the duties defensively with six and seven, respectively, uh, defensive and zone starts with them. What does that tell you? Because to me, that tells me that Sheldon Keefe doesn't necessarily look at them as a shutdown pair anymore. He doesn't, and, and not that anymore, but like right now, at the very least, at the very least, right now, he does not have faith that they are able to get the puck, like, first of all, break up a play, and then get the puck out. They, he doesn't trust them to get the puck out because they're consist, just consistently turning pucks over this season, and it's resulting in multiple goals against. It hasn't been good for that pairing, man. Has not been good for that pairing. I, oh, I I'm almost ready to uh, to shake things up on the blue line. Like, why not? Why not? Because realistically, it's not like Riley and Brody, uh, Riley and Brody have been fantastic either. To me, Dermot and Sandine, not that they've been the best because they've had the 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 you know uh, the easiest competition to play against, but they've been the most consistent pairing. I've liked what they've been able to do in their you know short. 13 to 15 minutes that they're out there on the ice, which seems to be increasing game by game, by the way, Sandine, up to like 18 minutes the other night in Carolina. Uh, but like Riley and Brody aren't really playing at the top of their game either. Why not switch this thing up a little bit? Why not move Brody down and play him with Muzzin, move Hall up to Riley? Like, why not do something else here? Because w- what's going on isn't working, it's not working. As a team, as, as 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 a team defensively, as a whole, the Leafs are giving up way too many odd man rushes. You look back at the Pittsburgh game; five of those seven goals came off off um, uh, came off the rush and odd man rushes, and they gave up another eight odd man rushes again last night. Turnovers and the inability to defend the counterattack have been big, big issues so far this year for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And if it weren't for Jack Campbell, I mean, making save after save, big stop after big stop on these man advantages, uh, odd man rushes. Boy, today's podcast has a totally different tone to it. I'll tell you that. And it's already already gone like negative, but it, it today would have been nuclear because they would have lost that game if not for Jack Campbell coming up with a couple of big stops off odd man rushes and two-on-ones and breakaways. So as a whole, this team's got to really buckle up defensively, but it starts. It starts with better play out of that shutdown pair, that supposed shutdown pair of Muzzin and uh, and Justin Hall. And I'll say this about the offense too: I gave a lot of praise to the to the team for looking better, and they did. They looked more polished. They were they were completing passes. They were poised. They were patient. They were they were you know shooting with confidence. They just looked confident out there. They're floating around the ice, you know, head up, making good plays. I'll say this though. You know, those are all great signs of life. 
I I I believe this offense is about to burst based on the way that now they're you know they looked yesterday, but they still got to do a better job of getting to the net. They got to create more uh, havoc in front of the goal, create more high danger chances. They had seventy seven shot attempts last night, a Corsi of like sixty five or sixty eight percent or something like that, but only three high danger chances. They got to get. They just they just got to create more high percentage plays at the end of the day. It's it's a lot of perimeter stuff. It, it is. It's a lot of perimeter stuff. You take a look at the heat map from last night. There's nothing, nothing in the slot, nothing. Which is interesting because it's so funny. It, it 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 depends on what analytics you're looking at. Because apparently the Maple Leafs had like 17 slot shots last night. I wonder how much. F- like how far out into the slot are we talking about here? Like was, um, you know, like at the top of the circle in the center of the ice, is that considered in the slot? Cause maybe, maybe you could consider that, but they're not getting many high quality chances. So although I, I, I appreciate the signs of life that they showed yesterday, the power play, looking good, looking confident, actually establishing themselves with some zone time, getting pucks on goal, not shooting it right into defenders, not getting stood up on the zone entries. You know, it it, it all looked good. Now you got to just take that next step. You got to do a better job of getting to the net and create more, uh, more, um, Better scoring chances, I guess. Not just taking shots and hope that it goes off a body. Now that happens. You do score goals that way. But, you know, let's let's do a little bit more coming off the rush. You know, like both those goals last night technically were came off the rush. Both goals were off the rush. Let's do that too. Let's start opening this game. Just play with pace. But the, the, Something that I realized last night, I think it was in like the third period, right before Camp's goal was scored, I noticed that there was a good pace to the game. You know, a lot of good back and forth. Defense was starting to get stretched out, and both sides were starting to get some good opportunities. But the Maple Leafs specifically, I felt, were 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 really confident. Like they played, that's the way that they want to play, and it looked good. And then they eventually scored with David Camp. Let's get to that. Let's play with more pace, Toronto. Play with more pace. That's the entertaining brand of hockey that the team is equipped for. That is that is literally what they were equipped to do. So those are some of the things I think could get cleaned up. Like I said, they won last night. We kind of tip our cap. They broke the losing streak. They picked up a a, a, a you know a much needed two points after a tough uh, tough start to the road trip. You know, a lot of good things happened. They showed signs of life. They got going in the right direction, but still lots to clean up. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for your auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and then choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, price at Rock. 
Rock Auto are always reliably low, and the same for the professionals as the do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or your truck, and write Locked On on their How'd You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. I want to end today's podcast uh, actually by just saying how strong of an individual that Kyle Beach is. I know this isn't necessarily a good uh, transition into this topic, but um, you know Kyle Beach is the player who identified himself as the John Doe in the Chicago Blackhawks sexual abuse scandal. Um, he had a conversation with TSN investigative journalist uh, Rick Westhead, and uh, it's a tough interview uh, to listen to just based on the amount of uh, the amount of you know emotion and, and pain that's involved you know trying to hold back tears you know Kyle Beach was it was it was it was tough it was really a, a tough interview to have to um, to listen to but it's it's important I think uh, to to give him your ear at the very least he he deserves that he's he's doing you know, what I'm sure is an incredibly difficult thing for him and give him a moment to, to listen and hear what his thoughts are and what he's hoping can now transpire from all of this so that, you know, nobody going forward ever has to be in his shoes again. So, you know, I, I just figured um, I, sh- I, I talked a little bit about uh, this story when it broke a couple of days ago when Stan Bowman and and all of them got fired, and I didn't want to follow up until, you know, I knew a little bit more information on the story. And then yesterday, you know, Kyle um, decided to come out with his identity, I guess, and that's just an incredibly brave thing to do, you know, like uh, it really is. Um, it seems like there's a lot of people who um, have his back within hockey, um, within, I mean, not the NHL, I mean, like within, you know, the the, the outer community of, of hockey, people such as myself and, you know, Rick Westhead and, um, you know, Katie Strang, uh, you know, some brilliant reporters who were, you know, helping share this story and make sure that this scandal didn't get swept under the rug for another year like it did the previous nine. Um, and, and you know, you guys on, on Twitter talking about it, sending your support, you know, calling him a, a, a hero, and, and, and hopefully it inspires change. That That's, um, you know, it's, it's a tough thing to have to talk about. Um, I'm finding, you know, not... I'm not finding it particularly easy to, you know, have have thoughts on this, and 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 you know, no one wants to say the the wrong thing here. But you know, I, I guess I'll I'll wrap this up just by saying how incredibly um, uh, proud I am of of Kyle Beach for coming out, uh, sharing, um, you know, his experience being strong enough of, of an individual to, you know, be comfortable with, with his identity to be known uh, and and in hopes that he hopes that this does kind of inspire change within the culture of hockey because uh, clearly there's there's too many people involved that tried to sweep this under the rug, and, and it's not right. Um, not right at all. Uh, you know, John Quenville 
uh, is having a hearing with the the uh, with Commissioner Gary Bettman, I believe today, actually. Um, so we'll see if any information kind of comes of that over the next little bit that I can update you on for tomorrow. Uh, he's going to be speaking with Kevin Sheveldayoff, another guy who was named in the in the in the report uh, on Monday. Um, Stan Bowman, we already know, is gone. All management from the 2010 team uh, is has been you know let go, gone, fired. Uh, you know they can say step down or step aside, but let's let's face it, you know these guys were fired. These guys are fired, and uh, they deserve to be. Um, and we'll see what else comes of it, because unfortunately. I would not be shocked if if Beach's bravery sparks some other people to come out and talk. And, um, you know, sadly, I think it's unlikely he is he's the only one to have a story like this. Um, so we'll see what uh, what the fallout kind of is over the next little bit. Uh, but that's a new for me here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked on Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. You can follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Locked on Leafs. Uh, I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. We'll recap the game uh, on the weekend against the Detroit Red Wings. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.